Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com. Well, we are three Sundays into Advent. Advent is our time to prepare our hearts for the arrival of Jesus. And this theme um, of this week is all about joy. Um, Out of all the times of the year, for me, this is my favorite. I love Christmas time, everything about it, whether it's cheesy and hokey or whether it's rich and deep, I'll take it all. Um, I, I love when we get home with enough time to cruise down to 11th Street and Olivenhain and look at the Christmas lights. I love being at the grocery store and picking up just an extra carton of eggnog. Um, And for all the eggnog haters out there, you know what? Just I'm praying for your soul. But um, honestly, she's just grieving that Starbucks just stopped their eggnog latte. So uh, if you're bored and just want to write a letter of petition to them on my behalf, that would be great. Uh, I love uh, just the excitement and the anticipation from my kids. Recently, Augustine, our five-year-old, um, when we go to the store, he'll often voice the thing that he wants. And what's great about December is we get to say, like, got to wait till Christmas. So his big thing is like, Dad, let me borrow your phone. I'm like, why do you want my phone? He's like, I want to take a video of my favorite toys, and I want you to text Santa. So uh, my phone is filled with five-year-old uh, videography of different toys all throughout whatever store we're at that um, I've been needing to airdrop to Santa. Uh, but the whole thing is just the anticipation, the fun, the lights, everything about it just really fills me with joy. And at the same time, if you're like me, uh, last year and even this year, coming close to two years to this pandemic, has felt odd. Um, talking about joy or being overly joyful uh, because there's a level of sensitivity that you want, there's a level of exhaustion that we're all feeling. Um, And there's, I think it's almost like we're like testing, is that joy there? Is it fragile joy or happiness? And uh, recently, the Gallup World uh, poll came out with some interesting statistics. I was reading an article And it said that while the U.S. ranked 11th among 156 countries in the 2012 World Happiness Report, which I didn't even know was a thing, uh, was published by the United United Nations Sustainable Development Solutions Network, uh, using data from the Gallup poll, it had fallen from 11th to 18th before the coronavirus pandemic. Now, a new survey is looking at the happiness post-coronavirus shows that Americans have never been in more despair. According to the COVID response tracking study conducted by the NROC at the University of Chicago, only 14% of American adults are very happy, a huge drop from the 31% who were just two years ago. I mean, just just think about that. Uh, One, that America is dropping in the standings of the happiness report, but also that pre-COVID, 31% of Americans would consider themselves very happy And now that has dropped down to 14% of Americans would identify themselves as very happy. Now, I know what you're thinking. This is a sermon on joy. And there's this old kind of colloquialism within church that um, that happiness is somehow different than joy. 
the happiness is what happens to you. It's circumstantial, and joy is kind of a deeper root of virtue. And, and I think that that's a great frame of thinking. There's, that's not necessarily a biblical way of thinking. A matter of fact, the Bible uh, interchanges the concept of happiness and joy multiple times. There's multiple words, both in Hebrew and in Greek, that are used for that word. And so that it's less kind of black and white, like happiness is bad, joy is good, happiness of the world, joys for those who follow Jesus. The Bible actually has a lot to say about happiness. It has a lot to say about joy. It doesn't splice those things up, like some of it's good, some of it's bad. You need to be careful about being too happy. Uh, actually, the, the biblical text of the incarnation is filled with joy. But keep in mind, in a biblical sense, that includes cheer and happiness and gladness. Those things all run together. Just, just a few verses. When talking about the Maguses, when they saw this, the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Luke one forty four says, As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, uh, the babe, the womb, sorry, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill the promise to her. Luke 2.10 says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news that will be cause of what? Great joy for all people. Which is why all of the kind of the, the Christmas hymnists and carol writers uh, would talk about this. Charles Wesley, the famous um, songwriter from the 1700s, said, Veiled in flesh the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with men to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Um, Charles Wesley's brother, John Wesley, the great evangelist, said this, He loved God most of all, himself as he loved others, and others as he loved himself. We have no good historical reasons for thinking otherwise. If so, as an intensely, constantly, and consistently loving person, Jesus was indeed an intensely, constantly, and consistently happy person. So the theme we've been going through in Advent is the concept of dwell. And so the title of today's sermon is Dwell in Joy. How does the Christmas story, God becoming flesh, moving towards us as an infant baby, how does that form our joy specifically in the middle of the cultural climate that we are all living, not just in America, but around the globe with so much loss, so much uncertainty. How do we experience joy? Should we be experiencing joy? So three thoughts. We're going to be talking about how to have joy in the wilderness, joy in the waiting, and then joy in the wonder. So point number one is joy in the wilderness. Um, I think one of the amazing things is not just the Christmas story that's marked by joy, it's actually the whole narrative of the Bible, that the people of God are marked by joy, which goes back to the story of creation, when God looks at what he created and said, it is very good. And from that point forward, even in the midst of really hard circumstances, the people of God have this resilience within them uh, to, to move in joy. I think one of the pivotal moments is when Israel is rescued from Egypt and brought into the wilderness on their way to the promised land. They're, they're, there's no promised land yet. They've been rescued. 
But the psalm writer looks back and says they were, they were doing this in joy. They were marked by joy. In Psalm 145, it says that he brought out his people with rejoicing. He chose his chosen ones with shouts of joy. I know what you might be thinking, like, how, how do you go through a wilderness season with joy? And that's really what this is about, because I, I, I want to be sensitive, and I want to just have a quick, just a quick note um, on those who, this is not a joyful season for you, whether Christmas is really hard, maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one, um, maybe you've lost a business the past year or two, maybe you're grieving um, someone who's sick or who's passed away, and you're just in this season. And I, a couple things. Number one, the Bible makes space for that. This is not a sermon that is just trying to get people to be overly and blindly optimistic. It's actually the exact opposite. Um, Proverbs is very clear. In the 25th chapter, it says, Like one who takes away a garment on a cold day, or like vinegar poured on a wound is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. Ecclesiastes 3, 4 says, There is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. So this is not to get to move people from to get beyond grief or or to move beyond their pain, but rather it's where does joy exist in the midst of it? In, and even if it's in varying degrees, can there be joy in the wilderness? And I think our ultimate model for this is Jesus. Jesus allowed both of these to exist at the same time. Isaiah 53 talks, it calls him that he's a man of sorrows, acquainted with suffering, which gives us a tremendous amount of, of just comfort, knowing we have a God who's empathetic. Um, but also in Luke 10, it says that Jesus was filled by the Holy Spirit with rapturous joy. He was both a man of sorrows and filled with rapturous joy. And in our, even in our own experience with loss and grief, um, even in some of the moments of deepest grief, there are times specifically with those who you feel loved and close with that there can still be these moments of tenderness and joy and even laughter. And how both of those things exist together is quite mysterious. But we even see Paul in 2 Corinthians 6.10, it says, He was full of sorrow and yet rejoicing. Philippians 4.4, 4, when Paul's in prison, his commandment again and again to the church in Philippi is this, rejoice, which is the verb to joy. Joy in the Lord, I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, one of my favorite quotes from Bono, who's the lead singer of U2, says that joy is the ultimate act of defiance. And so this, this concept of joy I want to begin it with just, just the, the realness of this isn't just blind optimism. This is a call for saying, even in the midst of loss and pain and suffering, there is joy to be had and to be accessed. Which leads to our second point. How, how do we do this? How do we find joy in the wilderness? Well, we have to get used to finding joy in the waiting. Because oftentimes wilderness seasons are marked by waiting. So can there be joy uh, when we wait? Um, let's think about when Israel, after they come to the promised land and they experience that goodness, eventually they turned away from the Lord and they were in exile, away from the promised land, away from everything that they had enjoyed. And there's this prophetic word that comes out of Isaiah 51. It says, those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy 
will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them and sorrow and sighing will flee away. You see, the people of God, the, the reason is so important to study about the history of the Israelites was that it wasn't that they just had a season in the wilderness. They had hundreds of years in the waiting. And in the waiting, it was marked by this joyous anticipation of return and redemption. Dr. Tim Mackey says this, The joy of God's people is not determined by their struggles, but by their future destiny. You see, I think we live in a culture, which is why there's been this massive decline in people identifying as happy, that it really our circumstances are the thing that determines if we have access to joy. But what the incredible message of Christmas brings is that we have a different well to draw from. We have a greater and deeper and stronger reality that even in the wilderness and even in the waiting, we still get to access a kind of joy that's available to us. Why? Well, because Jesus, the one we follow, the one who we've invited into our lives, the one who's Lord and King um, of our destiny, was himself a joyful person. So as long as you have Jesus, you have joy. Hebrews 12.2 says that fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the Father. I mean, isn't what, what an amazing promise that, that we get to look to Jesus who went through the cross. Why? Well, because there was joy set before him. He's modeled for us what this looks like. And then he's not only modeled for us, he invites us into this. Look at this promise in John 15. It says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, what? That I have loved you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So how do we have joy? Well, you have someone else depositing their joy in you. So even if your circumstances don't make room for joy, the, the request of Jesus, I've told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I've loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay, one's lay down one's life for one's friend. And so what do we do? Like, how, how do we do this? How do we find joy in a wilderness season or in a waiting season? We look to Jesus and the message of Jesus and the incarnation of Jesus, which is why when the shepherds come, it says, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, which is the word thermazo in Greek, which literally means to marvel and to wonder, which I believe is kind of our third point. This is kind of the solution. How do we find joy in a wilderness or in a waiting season? We reclaim wonder the wonder of the incarnation, the wonder of Christ, and let that begin to change us from the inside out. Again, please hear what I'm saying. I'm not just saying to, to suppress 
suffering, but it's actually in the midst of suffering, in the honesty of suffering. Where is Jesus in that? Because Jesus is the author of joy. And so let's just talk about this last point, joy in wonder. Um, I think there's really two, there's two lanes here, or even two sides of the same street, if you will, that the Bible is very clear where we find joy. One is in creation and the other is in the creator. Um, let's talk about creation. Uh, all around us, there are clues to where we can find joy. Uh, just to read, these are all from the Bible. Uh, Psalm 65:11 talks about creation. Just walk around, drive by the beach, feel the breeze, um, go and feel the warm sun on your skin, go and smell the pine trees at the Christmas tree lot, or whatever your thing is. Just take time to enjoy the creation of God. Psalm 104 talks about the things from creation. Oil, wine, bread, bring gladness, bring joy. Sit down for a good meal. Enjoy an extra gingerbread cookie, for heaven's sake. I mean, let it bring you joy. Um, Jeremiah 33, 11 talks about weddings bring joy. Proverbs 23, 24, 25 talks about children who, who bring joy. Um, and it doesn't mean you have to have your own children. Just go hang out with a niece or a nephew. Um, go volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. Volunteer at Young Life. Go and, and spend time with children. They bring us joy. Literally, this week, um, we're, waking, we're waking the kids up for school. Vienna, our eight-year-old, wakes up like my wife. It's not like a gradual, like, groggy wake-up. It's like, you're awake, and you're at 100 miles an hour from the time you open your eyes. She literally, we woke her up this week and she goes, she's like, what's going on? I'm like, it's time for school. She's like, <gasps> she's pow, like sits up straight <laughs> and runs to her room to get dressed. And she and I looked at each other like, what was, <laughs> what was that? I mean, just, just, there's something about even kids that bring about joy. Proverbs 27, nine talks about friends. Um, I mean, I, I know that sometimes uh, because of a busyness and things going on, we can miss this, but like go and, and hang out, enjoy a good meal or a walk or a surf sesh or something with a good friend. I mean, all of these things, again, just to remind you, these are biblical spaces where joy takes place. And in after the year or the two years we've had, can I just, a pastoral word for you, in the midst of it, not suppressing it, but in the midst of it, Find joy. Choose joy. Do something this week that ignites that sense of euphoria and happiness. But here's, here's part two of that. Connect the joy we find in creation to the creator of that thing. That's, that's the difference here uh, within the Christian perspective of where we find joy. Because you could go read a ton of self-help books. It just says, do what you want. That's not what the Bible says. It says, these things in life that are good point us to who is God. Use creation and, and, a, and a nice new fresh baked loaf of muffin bread. Marcus, if you want to send me one, that's great if you're watching this. Um, or, or if you're going and 
use that to go, oh God, you are actually the bread of life. When you go and you catch an amazing wave, be reminded, Lord Jesus, thank you that you created and you are more powerful than this force. When you're laughing with a friend, remind yourself, Jesus, thank you, you are closer than a brother. You are the friend that I've always wanted. Connect that, which leads to our next point, is that how do we find joy in, in the wilderness and the waiting? Well, we find it in the creator himself who is himself a joyful and happy being. Hebrews 1.9 says, Therefore God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. The context of the companions is talking about Jesus as a human being. There was no one happier than Jesus. Can I just stop right there? Theological lesson for the day. There was no one happier and never has been someone happier and more joyful than Jesus. Yet... He knows how to identify and sympathize with those who are brokenhearted. But just for a moment, can we just focus on the other side of the coin here? Jesus gets joy and happiness more than any of us, more than all of his companions. He was given the oil of gladness. John Piper, in his book, Seeing and Savoring Jesus Christ, says this, Jesus Christ is the happiest being in the universe. His gladness is greater than all the angelic gladnesses of heaven. He mirrors perfectly the infinite, holy, indomitable mirth of his Father. Randy Alcorn, who's another author, says this, Joy is knowing a Savior who is so happy that his delight spills out in the universe and in us changes everything, both now and forever. And here's the amazing thing. We are invited into the presence of the most joyful being of the universe. Have you ever hung out with a friend who just makes you laugh? Have you ever just been in the presence with someone? You just leave like, man, I just feel better. Have you ever had like an awful morning, but all of a sudden you go and hang out with someone and you're like, and you leave like, well, I don't, I don't even feel bad anymore. Do you know we're invited into that same sort of presence? And so uh, Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. I'm going to read that again. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. So here's the conclusion. How do we find joy in a world like this and in a time like this? Well, we go and we draw from the relationship and the presence of the most joyful being in the universe so that when we're in a wilderness, when we're in the waiting, we can recapture the wonder that he brings. Last quote from E. Stanley Jones, who Time Magazine called the world's greatest Christian merit. A missionary said this, the early Christians did not say in dismay, look what the world has come to, but in delight, look what has come into the world. Can we make that our prayer? Rather than looking all around us and saying, look what the world has come to, could we in delight and in joy say, look who has come into the world. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that no matter what is going on around us, you have moved towards us. That, Lord, whether we're in a wilderness, whether we're in waiting, whether we've experienced loss, Lord Jesus, God, thank you that you're not insensitive. Lord, thank you you're present, but also you've invited us not just to have our own joy or optimism, but to borrow yours. God, that your joy would be in us and that our joy would be made complete. 
So God, I pray this week, Lord Jesus, that you would open up our eyes and our calendars and our hearts to opportunities to experience and to engage with the wonder of the incarnate Christ. Lord Jesus, that we choose and press into joy as the ultimate act of defiance, that we have a greater reality that is, that is tuning and attuning our hearts to who God is. And so we just ask right now for the author of joy just to come and fill our hearts. God, I pray for anyone who's watching this who has been just struggling with just feeling down. I pray even now supernaturally, Lord God, that you would just fill their hearts with your joy. Lord, we love you so much in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us here at the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit our website, lightsandiego.com.